This is Stacy Crisp with the Regis Business Center located downtown in the Talon Financial Center, where we provide flexible working solutions. Whether you need a private office, a virtual office, or use a meeting room, it's all on flexible terms, month to month or two years. Call us at 423-617-6660. Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. And you are listening to Chattanooga Business Radio. Brian Joyce is my name, and I am the host of the show. We are broadcasting live from the Regis Office Center in downtown Chattanooga. And on today's program, I'll be speaking with two business leaders uh, from the Tennessee community. One is Micah Johnson. Micah is the CEO of a new app called Go Fanbase, and they have offices in San Diego, California, as well as Cookville, Tennessee. And my other guest is a gentleman we've spoken to before on this program. His name is James Cowan, and James is the CEO and founder of ProviderLink Healthcare, which has offices based right here in Chattanooga as well. So, Micah, James, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. James, because, uh, well, we've spoken to you once before, so we're going to get you on the show in just a minute here, but I'm going to start off with Micah Johnson. Micah, tell us a little bit about GoFanBase. Now, just based on the name, it seems to me like it has something to do with sports, but I don't think it does. It doesn't. Okay, go ahead. So uh, GoFanBase is an app that allows you to get the, it's really the easiest way to get positive reviews you can use for your business. So any business that has close contact with customers, like an auto dealership, Uh, any type of event. It actually allows you to go and take photos of those customers when they're buying. Um, If it's an auto dealership, you can go and buy a car, get a great photo, uh, get permission to use that photo if you're the dealership, Mm -hmm. and then get the rating and review from that customer while they're in the buying process. Okay. Now, these ratings, they would go where? Directly to the company's website, or where would they be shared? Or on the app themselves? Yeah, so it's on the app, so the customer can share them. So the customer would get an email that allows them to download the photo that was taken, Mm -hmm. and then they can share that. They can share their ratings. They can share their review on Google, Yelp, Edmunds, whatever review sites business actually plugs in there. How important would you say it is for small businesses to have such reviews out there, to have an app that provides this? I mean, obviously, I think it goes without saying that in the day and age of technology, the web, so many bad reviews out there. You certainly do want to be maintaining some kind of control over this. But I'm sure you meet with clients of businesses that that maybe have never done this before and they don't understand the value of it. Right. Well, you're going to get reviews whether you like it or not. Any customer can go and leave a review for you. Um, You don't have to set up a page and say, hey, here's my review page. If there's not a page, that customer can go and create a page for your business and then leave bad reviews or Mm -hmm. leave good reviews. So ignoring it is not not the best path. The best path is to go and get the most positive reviews you can and get it painted in the best light. So extremely important reviews are now. Is that part of your reason? Is that part of the motivation for starting the app? Because again, you do talk to small business owners and and the review process can be the wild, wild west. I mean, anybody can post anything on Yelp. Anybody can post anything on the web. Yep. Is that part of the motivation here? That's a lot of the motivation. So we have over 300 active clients that we manage their social media for. That was a real motivation. So we saw the problems that all our clients were having. And we said, if we're going to make an app, how do we solve all their problems? And that's how we built this. Yeah. Yeah. So how does the app then differentiate from some of these other you know, platforms where you can review businesses? I mean, obviously, as you said, it's an app. It's strictly an app. So it's a little bit different there. But mm-hmm. you know, compared to, say, a Yelp or something else, how would it differentiate? It doesn't necessarily compete 
with Yelp or a Google Plus rating, it works in conjunction with it. So okay. it helps the business get the rating while they're buying mm-hmm. instead of, hey, I just bought a car or I just took my car into service or I just you know, had this happen and then I'm going to dwell on it all the way home and yeah. get really pissed and then I'm going to go on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So the idea is it allows you to have a lot more control over it because you can get them when they're, you know, they've got the adrenaline, le- adrenaline level of buying a new product, buying a new car. Mm-hmm. They're happy. They're more apt. If they're going to let you take a photo, they're going to leave a good review too. So right. it helps helps kind of get that. You know, most of the customers, if you run a good business, they're going to give you great reviews. Mm-hmm. You have great service. Right now, the people that leave reviews, a lot of times they're going to be angry. So they're motivated on their own. So it kind of gives that other other angle to get the good reviews from the good customers that you have. Is that something too that perhaps some clients of yours have difficulty understanding? I agree with you. Uh, it, it seems to me, I don't know if I could put a percentage point on it, but it, it always seems to me like a good number of reviews you're going to get are negative reviews because the only people who are motivated to go on there and vent are oftentimes people who had a bad experience. So you, you have to be aware of that. Yeah. And it's changing too. It's really interesting. Um, Facebook now allows you to leave reviews for businesses. Mm-hmm. They're usually positive. So it's a lot of the environment that they're going to be in as well. So if somebody's following a brand on Facebook, they're going to leave a review. Most of the time it's going to be positive. Yeah. Um, so that helps. Google Plus, it's kind of in the middle. Yelp, everybody kind of associates like, oh man, I'm pissed. I'm going to leave this <laughs> review on Yelp. That'll right. get them. Right. You know, but it varies. But there's a lot of ways to get good reviews on Yelp too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's the motivation for starting the app. Now, tell us a little bit about your background. And again, this goes to to the motivation here. But were you a small businessman? Were you an entrepreneur? Were you a tech guy? What exactly led you to this? Sure. You know, a lot. I think I uh, I kind of fell into business. I thought I was going to be a comic book artist. So Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't work out, though? Never even got close. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was able to... You know, I started selling. I started telemarketing when I was in college. And within a year and a half, I was running that business. So I had 19 people under me and we did some website design and hosting. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got the bug. So I left there, started my own business when I was 20. That was, you know, kind of my first foray into it. I helped two startups in between that business and what's now GoFanBase. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my background. I've always been into programming. So I've got a development background. I've Mm -hmm. got a graphic design background. And then just doing business since, you know, 19 and 20 years old. And you started all of this in San Diego. Yes. Okay. Yep. So that's where you're from. Not really. I was born in Florida, grew up in Minnesota, spent a year in Nebraska. Jeez. All right. Military family? Nope. How did that happen? Just just (laughs) moved around a lot. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all after I moved out of my parents' house. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. So eventually you, you wound up in San Diego. You, you started GoFanBase. Now you have the offices in San Diego and now Cookville, Tennessee. So how did that happen? <laughs> That's an interesting story too. So, uh, I got married in San Diego. I met my wife in San Diego and, uh, we got married. We never really felt at home in San Diego. It's beautiful. What well, we tell people, it's a great place to visit, but it's not always the best place to live at least for us. Mm-hmm. So we miss trees. She's from Louisiana. Like I said, I grew up in Minnesota. So we miss trees. We miss, <laughs> you know, not brown clouds in the sky, you know, fresh air, clean water, that kind of stuff. So we took Louisiana, we took Minnesota, and we kind of met in the middle at Tennessee. 
Um, we came out here for about a week and we did a road trip and we stayed at bed and breakfast just to kind of get a feel of Tennessee and what areas we liked. And we knew we wanted to buy some property out here. Originally, it was going to be a like a vacation home. So we'd live in San Diego. We take some vacations and, you know, right. nice green Tennessee. Yeah. We found this great property in Cookville. We made an offer. We got the house. We drove out here to take ownership of it. And we were plan, our plan was to stay out here for about two weeks. And we never left. And how have you found the entrepreneurial, the business landscape in Tennessee? So many of the guests that we have on this show, they they specifically start a business mm-hmm. or an app or something like this in Chattanooga or in Tennessee because they know we, that you know we have this burgeoning uh, landscape here where you can do that. With you, that's not exactly the case. But since you arrived here, how have you found it? It's been great. It's actually been surprisingly amazing. We my wife and I, we thought we did a ton of research. We never even bothered looking at that because it was only going to be our vacation home. So we mm-hmm. we were concerned about water quality and air quality and right. you know stuff like that. We came out here and found this burgeoning community, like you said, and it's been really amazing. I mean, we have the college in Cookville. Our employees in Tennessee, they're absolutely amazing people. And it's really given us a boost to our business. And even some of our employees from San Diego, we made the offer when we decided that we were not leaving. Tennessee, outside of going back to visit California, that we'd fly anybody out here, anybody that worked for us, and they can check out the office, check out Tennessee. And if they want to move out here, we'd help them move out here. So we've had uh, one of ours that had a family. They moved out here almost right away. And then another one who was born and raised in California decided to move out to Tennessee. Well, obviously, a much cheaper cost of living and a much cheaper cost of doing business. Do do you think a lot of people uh, from California, say, get that message? I meet so many tech guys who are still, you know, they're still struggling in San Francisco. And I say, you know, there are other options, cheaper options. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're starting to. You know, when I was in California, I spent eight years in California, and I'd often have people remark, so there is states in between California and yep. New York. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the mindset, you know, four, they don't always four realize or five that. years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They just think there's this big gap, you know, in the country. But now people are, I think they're starting to get it. Well, I've even told some of these guys, I mean, I completely understand. Do you want to be in San Francisco? You want to be in New York? That's where so many of the business partners, that's where meetings are, et cetera, et cetera. But Literally, when you look at this from a practical standpoint, you move out to a place like Tennessee, you have a pretty good situation in place here. The money you save, you can you can fly back to San Francisco every two weeks if you have to go on meetings. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And as we're scaling up, we're looking at scaling up in Tennessee because office space is dramatically cheaper. Sure. Personnel is cheaper, everything. So it definitely makes sense to us. It was a good move. You're listening to Chattanooga Business Radio. Brian Joyce, that is my name. We're broadcasting live from the Regis Office Center in downtown Chattanooga. And my guest on the program right now is Micah Johnson. Micah is the CEO of a new app called Go Fanbase. And again, they have offices in San Diego, California, and they're building up new offices in Cookville, Tennessee. Uh, Micah, I think you had mentioned how many clients right now? Maybe 300 businesses you work with? Okay, now what kind of businesses do you work with this particular app, GoFanBase, to any small business owner who's listening to the program right now? Who is this app good for? On the end user side, it's going to be any business that has direct contact with their customers. Auto dealerships are a huge, huge aspect. Um, We're getting into radio groups where when they host events, go to concerts. They can grab photos of the concert goers and the event goers and the prize winners and all that kind of stuff. Promote sponsorships all through photography, grabbing, you know, social content. So 
that's kind of the end user focus. Ultimately, we're using it ourselves to help manage all our clients. So as we continue to perfect the software, this becomes a social media management solution that kind of has a mobile first target. It's got an inbox zero. So as your content comes in, it's always, you know, the goal is to handle that content, whether you schedule it, whether you post it, whether you delegate it to somebody else. Um, so there's all these workflows that we're building in that help us do our jobs easier. But ultimately, what, what will be is other companies that are like us will be able to use this solution to also help their clients. Once again, my guest here, Micah Johnson. Micah is the CEO of GoFanBase. That's a new app, offices in San Diego and Cookville, Tennessee. And uh, Micah, I appreciate your time before I do let you go and before we move on to James Cowan here. Let's just talk a little bit. You had mentioned how you, you have a programming background and a little bit of a tech background and sort of a serial entrepreneur from a, from a young age, 18, 19 years old. To any other young entrepreneurs out there, what kind of advice could you give in, in terms of your experience starting this app, getting the, the funding that you need, getting the business support that you need? Uh, where do you start? Yeah, it's a great question. I would say the first thing is just to start. If you have an idea, you just got to go for it. I bootstrapped both my companies, so we didn't raise any money. We didn't raise any funding. While that's kind of a slow growth approach, it also ensured that we were not having any major risks. So now we're multi-million. We've got over 25 employees. Wow. So just go for it and really follow your gut. So when you have to make a hard decision, your gut's going to be right. You know, your brain is the one that's going to get you in trouble. Micah Johnson, I appreciate your time. And uh, once again, folks, the app is called GoFanBase. And this is more or less an app that helps facilitate uh, business reviews if you are a small business owner or an entrepreneur yourself. Micah, any information that potential clients would like on this app? I know you have a website. I'm sure you're all over the place. So yep. go ahead and give that information. Yep, it's GoFanBase.com. Twitter is at GoFanBase. And Facebook is Facebook.com forward slash GoFanBase. There he is, folks. Micah Johnson, CEO of GoFanBase. And again, check him out at GoFanBase.com. Micah, I appreciate your time. Now let's bring in James Cowan. James is a guy that we've talked to once before on this program. And James is the CEO and the founder of a Chattanooga-based company called Provider Link Healthcare. And James, I think it's been a few weeks since we last spoke with you. So what's going on in the world of healthcare? Wow. In the world of healthcare, uh, things are changing very quickly. Mm -hmm. There's been a Week by week, there's this transition from the standard, the traditional way of care to care through mobile devices, care through social networks, care through employers. And so the, the way that people think about healthcare is changing almost on a daily basis, but the paradigms in which you view your healthcare have shifted as well from me going to see a doctor to how do I interact with my workplace? How do I right. interact with my social networks? How do mm -hmm. I interact with my family? So- yeah, uh, perspective is different. So tell us again about ProviderLink Healthcare. What exactly is it that you guys do and uh, the motivation for starting this business and, and what void in the market are you trying to fill? Sure. So not from the healthcare industry specifically. I've mainly been involved with utility companies hmm. for most of my working time. I had four years in the Marine Corps followed by running energy efficiency programs and I had my own business once before as well. About a year and a half ago, uh, almost two years ago now, actually, my, my family and I chose to move to Chattanooga. And when we moved, we went through a litany of changes, changing primary care physicians, changing pediatricians, changing specialty doctors for treatment of things like thyroid condition and 
different things that our family has had to, to go through. In that process, what we found was that the whole system isn't built for us. Hmm. So, How so? Well, we would go and sit in a waiting room and everyone's had this experience. You sit in a waiting room and you had an appointment, but you still end up waiting 45 minutes or mm-hmm. you, a child gets sick and maybe the husband or the wife is out of town. And so the wife is left with four children that she has to drag into the waiting room and wait for an hour and a half. Um, or if you're just finding a new doctor and it's your first visit, you fill out the same paperwork over and over again. And so we said, if this was built for us, what would it look like? And so I got angry enough and I said, well, I would be able to connect with a doctor through my smartphone, tablet, or computer at the mm-hmm. at the push of a button. And so ProviderLink connects providers with their patients and patients with their health through their mobile device um, or through their computer, anything that's visually enabled. So this would be like FaceTime, FaceTime for healthcare, you and your doctor talking. But the difference between us and FaceTime or Skype is that our, our platform is HIPAA compliant, fully secure, triple encrypted, so that the conversations that you have with your doctor can't be hacked and aren't open for anyone to potentially view who shouldn't have them. This is uh, somewhat of a blossoming industry. You you call it telehealth, and I remember the last time we spoke, that was that was the first time I had even heard of that term, telehealth. So mm-hmm. I think you did just sort of define what that means, but but again, sort of loosely defined <laughs> what is telehealth, and and I guess uh, more importantly, when when did people start to start to think about this? It, it it would seem to me it's just only in say the past five to ten years where this has been a push. The reality is that. You know, there were, there were samplings of telehealth or telemedicine, which are related terms, but not necessarily the same. 15, 20 years ago, people started to think about how can we connect. In the last five to 10 years, things have really accelerated. There's actually a few publicly traded companies in the space. Mm-hmm. The real issue, as is the issue with a lot of different companies, is market adoption. So you've got providers who are risk averse, mm-hmm. thankfully for most of us. So the, getting them to adopt that technology, but then also... Having the network built in terms of the web and in terms of uh, the way that, that people communicate uh, through mobile devices, it wasn't there. So I would, I would agree with you that in the last five to 10 years, but more specifically over the last 24 months, uh, because of startups like ProviderLink and other companies that are trying to find uh, niches in this market, right. it's really been an explosion in terms of both technology and utilization of that technology. And how has the reception been between the providers and the patients? Because healthcare is something that is traditionally done in a very traditional way. And we all have ideas as to how we go to visit our doctor and what we talk about with the doctor. Have you run into providers and patients who just say, well, I don't know if I want to do this over an app or over FaceTime or something like this? Right. Well, it's a great question. And it's an important question. And the answer is it's about 50-50. Everyone is scared for, for one reason or another about this type of technology and this type of interface. The providers ask questions very commonly when I'm talking to them about liability. Will my malpractice insurance cover this? Um, am I going to get sued? Is there a record of what happened? Can I go back and see exactly what happened during that session with the patient? And those are, those are very real challenges that we can't solve today. Mm-hmm. entirely. But there's another half of the population, the early adopters, folks who are being innovative and want to stretch you know, the envelope, so to speak. And they're, they're jumping in and they're trying it. And they're not always getting three, four, five, 10 patients a day using it. But I'm starting to see with the providers on my network that it's trickling in. Mm-hmm. We, we, we went from going a month or two with no visits to with two, and now we're getting one a week. And 
We're starting to see that that capacity is growing, and I think it's just going to increase over time. You can really replace estimates are between 30 and 50% of the visits that you have with your provider. You can replace those with a phone and not have to go sit in that office and not have to drag a sick kid in with other sick kids to wait for an hour and hang out and play with their germs. (laughs) My guest here is James Cowan. James is the CEO and founder of ProviderLink Healthcare, offices based right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, James, the other, obviously, uh, you know, the other big piece to the puzzle whenever you're talking about healthcare services and providers in the United States is the insurance issue. So when you do have patients who want to say, hop on provider link, communicate with their doctor, do they have to have insurance? Where does the insurance come into play there? Right. So uh, another good question. Uh, payer, this is a very payer, it's a payer dominated market. And so those payers, the insurance companies, the Blue Cross Blue Shields, the Aetnas and, and, and others of the world, uh, they, they play a very big role uh, and you have to find a way to interact with them. So in, the, in most cases, in fact, in most states, there is telehealth parity. And so there are reimbursements for telehealth visits. The challenge with all reimbursements in the new healthcare era is reimbursements are getting smaller. Mm-hmm. And so in some cases, they may only reimburse $8 or $12. In some cases, uh, they might reimburse $35 or $40. It just really depends on the situation. Those things are changing. The laws are changing. More payers are covering telehealth and telemedicine services. But it's sort of a a slow roll. So in, in the majority of our cases, our providers are actually using it just as an additional way to reach out to their patients or have their patients reach out to them. But we also allow through our app in-app payments. So if a provider wants to offer this type of a service as a concierge add-on benefit, they can actually charge the patient directly through the application and they get to select, we can meet you this way. Instead of you having to come in tomorrow, we can do this right now for $30 um, or $40. Or quite frankly, even getting anything is different for providers because they are so used to taking phone calls at eight and nine and 10 o'clock at night, and they never get paid for those. And that's great for us because we get free healthcare, but they are also trying to pay bills, so. You're listening to Chattanooga Business Radio. Brian Joyce, that is my name. We're broadcasting live from the Regis Office Center in downtown Chattanooga. And right now, once again, my guest is James Cowan. James is the CEO and founder of a telehealth uh, provider called Provider Link. James, you point out that there are literally dozens of uh, telehealth services in the industry. So what makes ProviderLink a little bit different? What makes you stand out? Yeah, that's another good question. So there's really two different channels that that telehealth providers are are utilizing. They're either going direct to consumer or they're going direct to doctor. The majority of the the big players in this space, like Teladoc, Doctor on Demand, uh, they're really they're really going direct to consumer. It's a consumer channel, and so that might be an employee benefit. It might be someone just logging in and paying forty dollars to connect to a provider. That's a great business, and if I'm being honest, that's a business that we're going to get into in the next mm-hmm. six to twelve months. But right now, we're focused on adding providers to our system. We want to have critical mass in markets before we go direct to consumer, so that there are doctors to take those calls. It's important because. Instead of the doctor-patient relationship being intermediated by doctors who will never see those patients again, we're actually enabling the clinics that are being threatened by this technology to adopt it Mm -hmm. um, and to make it a part of the way that they deliver care. So I wouldn't go so far as to say that we're saving practices, but we are absolutely changing the way that the small urgent care clinics and local clinics, family care practitioners uh, are able to engage patients and hopefully keep their doors open. 
Once again, I'm talking here with James Cowan, the CEO and founder of ProviderLink, and that is a telehealth service that is based right here in Chattanooga. James, you mentioned briefly you're not a native of Chattanooga. You're from Flint, Michigan. You moved to Chattanooga back in 2014. I think, I believe you have worked with the gig tank before. I think you're looking to work with the gig tank again in the future. What are you looking to get from the gig tank? Yeah, so we're actually right now in the first uh, gig tank 365 class. Mm -hmm. And we have meetings uh, all the time with the staff at CoLab and with the gig tank. Very helpful people. And so right now what we're doing is really testing and validating theories about our model. And the gig tank accelerator is helping us to make connections with mentors and with companies that can help us test those hypotheses to see, is this a channel that we can go down and help people and then also make money uh, because we're for-profit? Then the other thing that's really important that we haven't figured out yet is what is the impact of the gig on a business like ours? We know that there's an impact. There's no doubt about it. We know that it makes a difference, but we're still figuring out exactly the impact of the gig. Mm -hmm. um, And we're waiting for that light switch to go on for us, for our providers, and for the nation at large, because we, at this point, now have providers in four different states. Yeah, so. yeah. James Cowan, CEO and founder of ProviderLink, I appreciate your time. And uh, before we let you go, any potential uh, healthcare providers out there, potential customers, patients who would like to get more information about ProviderLink, give them that information. Sure. So our website is ProviderLink.com, and link is spelled with a C, so it's ProviderLink.com. Um, and you can reach us right there through the web. Uh, you can send us a message. You can dial our phone number, or you can just get information about what we're doing. So if you're a doctor looking to to integrate telehealth into your practice, we actually have a, a provider go plan where we give you two free months on our software just to let you try it out. And if you're a patient who's a little bit frustrated with all of the visits that you take that don't need to happen and you think there's a better way, we'd invite you to to let your provider know about us or call us and say, hey, James, can you call my provider we would absolutely love that kind of uh, that kind of a lead. Excellent. James Cowan, ProviderLink. And folks, once again, if you would like to check them out, go to www.providerlink, and that's link with a C, www.providerlink.com. James, appreciate your time. And once again, Micah Johnson, uh, CEO of GoFanBase. Before we do get going here, your website, once again, anybody who's interested in checking out the new app? It's just GoFanBase.com. There we go. All right, folks, this has been Chattanooga Business Radio. Brian Joyce, that is my name. We're broadcasting live from the Regis Office Center, and we are going to take a short break, but we will talk to you next time. This is Stacy Crisp with the Regis Business Center, located downtown in the Talon Financial Center where we provide flexible working solutions. Whether you need a private office, a virtual office, or use a meeting room, it's all on flexible terms, month to month or two years. Call us at 423-617-6660.